Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the fourth Sunday of Easter for the week of May 8th, 2022. And I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited because there is a lot going on on May 8th here in the United States. It is Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day or Mothering Day to all those people who are in that role. But the other thing it is, it's Good Shepherd Sunday, and that's something that I think it's really exciting. I think it's really unique to kind of look and be able to talk about God in this shepherding mode. And I think what we will learn a little bit more this week as I'm kind of tipping my hand a little bit, we will talk about just the interconnectiveness that we all have at a much deeper level and it's around us a lot more than we really realize. And I think that's something that we as people, especially as we're honoring people who are mothers or in mothering roles to us, I think there's a lot of times that that happens around us in community, that there's a lot of times where people step into roles of caring or step into roles of nurturing or step into roles of acknowledging other people. And that's something that is really powerful for us to be able to go through and to acknowledge. So let's quickly look at the question from last week, which was, where are you going to give up being comfortable to pursue where God is steering you? And I thought there was a really good answer I got this week that they stated in their response, I'm afraid I'm too comfortable where I am to be making change. Then again, every time God wanted me to change, there was no doubt. I really had no choice. And I think that's one of the things at times that we kind of get into is, do we get into moments where, yes, we have these times where God's like, about face, change, move forward, go. But when those times have happened, is there not other times where maybe God was already tapping us on the shoulder and we were already kind of brushing it off? Say, no, this is where I'm trying to go. And I think, and a lot of times with the world in which we're in, and especially being a person who lives in a democracy, I think there's a lot of times when we're seeing some type of success, it's really difficult for us to say, well, now is the time that I let go. This is the time that I make a drastic change. Because it's so difficult for us to be able to build and move toward success, whatever that definition is for us that then to have us suddenly drop those and pursue that can be challenging in a lot of different levels. So let's just jump into the text for this week because I think there's a lot here we got to jump into. So the first reading this week is from Acts chapter 9 verses 36 to 43. We're continuing this first reading being out of Acts. So we have the story that they are in Joppa And we hear the story of Tabitha or Dorcas, which means gazelle in Greek. That's your fun fact of the day. But it talks about how there's this female disciple and how she dies. And then it spends verses 38 through 39 talking about the women of the community, the widows of the community, weeping and how much they treasured Tabitha or Dorcas in their community, how much they were respecting her. Now, granted, one of the things that's really important here is having both the name Tabitha and Dorcas recognizes that she is being kind of in the, not necessarily crossfire, but is being respected enough that she has both a Greek name 
and a Hebrew name. To be able to be that transcendent, that she has become kind of this fixture within the community. And here then we have Peter going, praying over her, and then we get this rising up of Tabitha. But I don't think it's necessarily the rising from the dead that's important here. I think a lot of what's really the important essence here is verses 38 and 39, talking about how the widows, how much they treasured Dorcas, how much they just, she was the fabric. And yes, they were talking about the tunics and stuff that she had weaved, but she is the fabric that really helped hold the community together. And it was her faith that stirred up so many people to not only be attracted to her, but also that they were finding their own faith through her, that she was kind of being a person to lead them in the faith and thus kind of a central figure within the community. So super cool story that I don't think it's talked about enough. And especially with being Mother's Day in the States, I think there's some unique things that we can really get into that text on. The psalm this week is Psalm 23, arguably the most familiar of all the psalms, talking about God as the good shepherd and leading us through difficult times, but yet still providing for us abundantly as we continue to go through the life's trials and tribulations as long as we are dwelling with the Lord. And in that, also realizing that there's times when we're still being with God and yet surrounded by people we don't necessarily want to be around. It's a kind of references in verse 5. The second reading this week is out of Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 to 17, continuing this theme of being in Revelation. What I found when we were going through this is here again you have a grouping of angels together crying about the salvation of the Lord and how they are giving honor to Jesus and what Jesus was done and that it's gone through the death that so that we don't have to, that the Lamb is seated and it's just the central focus and that everyone is gathered around and this is something that brings everyone together is the central figure of the lamb and how this is something that's worthy to have worship to acknowledge to give praise to and this image of how i imagine the diversity around and yet it's still the same thing that we are all giving praise to the gospel text this week is out of John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. We have the festival of dedication, which is Hanukkah. It's winter. And Jesus is walking into the temple. And they have people there who ask plainly if Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus responds with verse 25, I have told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give eternal life and they will never perish, but no one will snatch you out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. But again, this idea of how Jesus continues to tell, and yes, I've tried making this clear, but yet you are not part of this connection. You do not understand. And 
you try taking away, but I still try showing that, that, no, this is what I'm about. This is what I'm about. And it just isn't good enough for you. And that understanding that this is maybe just a hair beyond where they're at at this moment, especially, and it's still even hard for us being on this side of the cross to understand that the father and I are one, but yet different. The triune God aspect being talked about and brought out here. But I think it's also the voice in verse 27. The sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. The idea that there's this connection that we all have to Jesus, this connection that we all have together in faith and in life. And that's very hard to break, but also very hard to describe and explain. But we'll dig into that. But before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do shameless plugs for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I love using them on a weekly basis to not only use their Working Preacher podcast, which has three to four seminary professors from Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, but also to have multiple different commentaries going through this lectionary cycle multiple times, multiple different biblical scholars. I really find that super helpful and to give some different perspective on how to read these texts. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend that. But I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I use them on a weekly basis to be able to look at all these texts. I love how that's laid out. But as you guys probably already know, one of the big things that separates Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, in my opinion, is the art section. Being able to look at how different artists have interpreted these texts throughout the world, throughout time, is super, super helpful. To be able to maybe bust out of some of the preconceived notions and just be able to see things with a fresh set of eyes. So if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, I'd highly recommend that also. We have quite a bit here to get through, and I think it's first kind of getting our head around where am I trying to kind of get at. And I think it's one, the women in the act story and with Tabitha and how central of a figure Tabitha you can tell is in this community and how special it is to even have a woman disciple acknowledge and thus even getting a story, especially with where their ranking is within the community. This woman must have been extremely important extremely important within the community. And I think that's one of the things for us to acknowledge on this side within that culture, but also realizing within our own lives how we have these figures, but especially there are both male and female figures who are super important within the faith and how these figures can transcend and have a greater impact than we initially understand within a community. But also this idea of my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me, which means that there has to be this type of communication back and forth that beyond what we can understand immediately. And we kind of even get that in the Revelation text on how we should be giving praise and homage to Christ and what that means and what that looks like is very difficult at times for us to fully grasp and fully wrap our head around. And thus pairing that with our most familiar psalm of Psalm 23. One of the things that I was thinking about this week then with these texts is thinking about how does nature in and of itself communicate with itself? How does the community within an ecosystem be able to communicate 
and be able to talk to each other. And I stumbled across and was able to get into a place that I hadn't studied a lot. And it's really interesting because it is one of these things that as you go down the rabbit hole a little bit further, the more you understand that this has potential to really change how we look at things out in nature. And the argument is, is that instead of things being in competition with each other, that we have things that are completely opposite, that they're in super cooperation with each other. Today, we're going to talk about forests, and we're going to talk about how trees communicate with trees that are not even all the same species and are not even all the same age and how they work together in this. There has been some amazing work done by Suzanne Simard studying this stuff. And But we first, before we even get into the amazing work that she has done, I think we have to first acknowledge kind of the grandfather in all these who kind of got labeled as a heretic, Albert Bernard Frank, in 1885, made the argument that he thought that plants and fungi were working together in some way and was essentially seen as a heretic. In the 1980s, then, we were able to do some beginning work to start realizing that seedlings were able to at least pass some nutrients onto their seedling neighbor. And this led Suzanne Simard into doing some much deeper research. I'll attach some links down below. She has a TED Talk in there, but I'd highly recommend checking these out. Really interesting on the research and how she did it and also realizing the layers and depths of what this means. But to try to give you the brief overview of what is going on, when trees put down roots, if you look near trees often in a forest, you are going to find fungi. Fungi, depending on the type of plant, there's really like two different networks of fungi that will go into and work with these plant roots. There's arbuscular mycorrhiza and ectomycorrhiza. Now, it's depending on the type of species or plant that these are going in, but basically what's happening is one of these systems will actually go into the root system and actually then become kind of like part of the root system. This fungus will go in there. The other one kind of builds like a sheath around it, even kind of getting in between some of the cells of the roots to kind of build this protection layer around the roots. Now, why is this doing it? Because it's actually a mutualistic benefit for both species. What ends up happening is the fungus then can help protect the roots a little bit, but really what it's doing, it's giving water and nutrients to the plants in exchange for some of the excess sugars, which depending on the plant can be between four to 20% from photosynthesis to be able to help then the fungus grow. So as the fungus or detritivore is breaking down the different nutrients in the earth and bringing that not only into soil, but it's also shuttling some of this into the plant root system, the plants then are, its excess energy is being shared within this fungus. So super cool, mutualistic benefit. 
but it goes deeper. What's super cool is that these fungi networks extend bigger and bigger and bigger based on different fungus coming in and being connected to multiple different plants, along with bigger trees having multiple different places where these fungus are dropping in. Essentially, what plants have underneath our feet are miles and miles of ethernet. Basically, what is happening is they are all connected via the fungi, and we have been able to statistically show that trees can send nutrients to other trees that are struggling. They are able to send carbon through their roots to be able to help another tree that is struggling. Not only that, it's not only carbon, it's also nitrogen, phosphorus, water, defense signals, hormones, and alleles, or kind of the genes being passed through. Now, why is this so important? This is super important with when there is a disease going through or something of that nature. There's been studies showing like tomato plants that, again, they're all in the same network and that a plant is getting attacked by some type of, say, caterpillar. It will send its defense signals off and so that the neighboring plants around can already start to prepare for if the caterpillar gets there, those caterpillars will not do as well and the plant then is better prepared for what is coming. Thus, so if you think of like within a forest ecosystem, what this means is your oldest trees, your biggest trees are nicknamed hub trees or mother trees. And thus they have the defense mechanisms, they've gone through things, they are able to have all these connections to multiple different trees that they are able to then communicate with. Thus being able to see that one, there is some type of connection between parents and seedlings, that there is some way that they're able to identify that parent trees are able to send in the roots nutrients to their own young via this fungal connection, but also two, if a tree is a hub tree and is dying, it one will send out a, a defense signal letting the trees know kind of like why is it dying. It's sending out some of its allele and genes to kind of help the forest be sustainable and be able to like, here's like my recipes, here is my different words of wisdom. These are the things that I know that I have helped me live as long as that I have along with doing a big nutrient boost to the whole network. Now, granted, like anything, there are different plants that can hack into these networks and potentially do some havoc. But overall, like the internet, I would argue that for the most part, this is for the betterment of all these plants and for the betterment of the forest community. And thus, it gets into this whole argument talking about how when we are going for the biggest, the oldest trees, the difficult thing is, is we could also be taking a lot of the ways for a forest to be able to be sustainable long term out because they're the ones that maybe have the surplus energy, the surplus nutrients, the ones who have the different mechanisms and ideas to be able to communicate with the other plants on how to brace themselves for difficult situations. This is all studies and all things that have come to light over the last 40 years. 
about these mutualistic symbiosis that is happening between fungus and other plant life and thus being able to how trees are able to communicate with other trees and how this then flips the whole idea of that trees are in competition with each other and in fact where they are noticing that trees are actually sending nutrients to their neighbors that aren't even the same species to be able to help them grow. This to me is absolutely incredible. It is absolutely amazing because with having these types of networks, it helps to increase the resistance of the community at large of the different things that may be coming or the things that unforeseen stresses that they're able to negotiate and talk through and help their neighbors with. This is super cool. To me, this is exactly what like Jesus is talking about. My sheep know my voice. I know them and they follow me. I say something. I am the mother tree. I am the one with the extra nutrients. I am the one that helps to teach them the things that they're going to need to survive. They are going to understand how then connected we all are. As they grow in years, they will slowly become a small hub tree themselves to be able to help spread and connect this network further and further. Tabitha was a hub tree within the early church community in near Joppa where she was. That she was helping to connect these people, give advice, help them survive. Her impact was greater than just herself. These hub trees or these mother trees have greater impact for their forest community than one single tree. When those trees die, the community is impacted. You hope that all the wisdom has been passed to the best of its ability, that it was injured and was able to send down those nutrients to help the community to be able to have the community be resilient for times that were coming. I just find it interesting that here you go, having a shepherd who is there to protect. Here, having someone who they hear the voice, they follow because they know they can trust, they can depend on the shepherd. Here you have these amazing network of things that they are all connected together and thus sharing the information so freely, sharing the nutrients, sharing things to make sure that they all thrive, realizing that there isn't this major competition that trees are doing. They're developing a network so that they all can thrive. And here's the thing. We have figured out that 90% of plants on the planet are connected in some my mycorrhiza network. They're part of some mycorrhiza network, some fungal network to be able to help them survive. This isn't the survival of the fittest. This is the survival of communities together, working together to make sure that they all survive. This is exactly like what we are being told to do. We come together as a flock because we are harder to attack together than we are apart. We are able to better be steered where we need to go as individuals and help all of us as a groups with each of our skills and abilities and talents together, moving together as a group. We are better able to use these gifts. We are better able to see the impact of what we have to offer for the whole community together than we are alone. To me, it's just 
fascinating to see here how God has developed an internet, one, long before we did, two, how connected it is when it looks to be independent. And to me, when I look at ourselves, we, especially as Americans, love having the story of I'm a self-built person, but when you really get down to it, there is no way that you are because somebody helped you at some point. Somebody gave you food at some point. Somebody prepared you a meal. Somebody gave you clothing. Somebody gave you a place to stay. Somebody helped provide so that your basic needs were met. Somebody helped maybe give you some opportunities to get you into places that you wouldn't have otherwise been. Somebody helped do that. Somebody helped build a network or a footing for you to stand on to start a network. Somebody believed in you when you needed that. You were connected more than you knew. These plants are connected more than we know. And we're just starting to learn how connected they are and how much they're working together to help each other that maybe I might die, but maybe I can pass something to help prevent death within the community so that we're better for it is fascinating that we are in a place that we are working together to be able to do this. So the question I have for you this week is how do you make sure that your impact is greater than yourself? How do you make sure that your impact is greater than yourself in whatever you do? Because I think this is a text that kind of hits back to that. And I think it's one of the things that it pairs really well with mother or mothering day to help us realize that there are people who take the time out of their lives to impact us to be able to magnify them more, to magnify their love, to magnify their character, to help magnify an issue, to help magnify connection, to help magnify love. I think it's really cool that plants have networks to be able to, one, admit that plants aren't doing well and put out call signals to help each other. Two, that they are actively doing it and then figuring out ways that three, to actually pass their wisdom on. Are we doing that? How well are we doing that? Because I'd argue that's part of following. Because a shepherd, yes, calls them and they follow, but a shepherd is also observant to be able to realize where they're weak and wounded. A shepherd is also observant to be able to understand they're not quite ready for that yet. And in those places, the connection runs deeper, like Tabitha, that when people pass or something changes, that there is genuine mourning, realizing how much of an impact that that person or that thing had had in the community. This gets to the heart of the love that Christ has for us. This gets to the heart of loving thy neighbor as thyself. And that is an important thing for us to be realizing, especially in this Easter season on what Christ was willing to do for us out of love. Do we then realize that looking out that nature is doing the same thing? It's important to realize, it's important to acknowledge, and it's important to love because love builds trust and trust helps us follow. And if we are sheep and we hear a voice of Jesus, for us to follow, one, to be able to recognize the voice that we can trust, and two, to follow the action of what the shepherd is calling and be able to accept it. Be able to accept those times when those nutrients are going through and I'm struggling, but my parent or another tree nearby or another plant nearby is realizing and wants to help 
get me through this difficult time. It's important, it's powerful, and it's something that we all should be learning from. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.